Lord, I'm amazed that as your people, we can ask you to open up your heavens. Lord, that we can ask you to come and draw near, to change our lives, to touch us as we need to be touched, Lord. That we can ask you for your presence and that you're faithful to give. And so, Lord, we do pray that in each one of our homes and spaces or vehicles, wherever we are, Lord, that you would draw near. Lord, would you make your word come alive in each one of us? Would you equip and empower us to preach your word, to hear your word, to embody, advance, and proclaim your word and your kingdom as your beloved people? Lord, we love you. Amen. Hello, Gold Avenue Church family. This is Pastor Jalisa. Um, and I've just got to tell you that I am so eager to share this word with you. As I've been working through this sermon, I've been so personally deeply encouraged. And so as I've been working through, it's been my prayer that you too will find yourselves strengthened and encouraged through this message. As a body, we've been working our way through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, and we've been talking about building, building the kingdom of God. Last week, Pastor Gina blessed us with a message that was just full of wisdom about the enemy's attack strategies in the face of building, particularly against leadership. Pastor Gina encouraged us to be in prayer, to be people of prayer. And this week, we're going to continue in this posture of crying out to the Lord in prayer for his protection and provision by working through a psalm of deliverance. And so today we're reading from Psalm 118. Hear then the word of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look on triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me. But in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side. But in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. 
Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live, and I will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His love endures forever. Thanks be to God. I was reminded earlier this week that it's at about this time of year that as a teenager, I would look forward to one of the biggest events of the summer. Each year, around mid to late August, depending on when the school year would kick in, my church youth group would start the fall season with a trip to Valley Fair Amusement Park. And my friends and I would look forward to this trip all summer long. By the time it came around, we'd have plans about which rides to ride in what order and what games would get us the best prizes and which food stands we had to be sure to visit. It was such an incredible highlight. And I remember one particular year we were so excited because Valley Fair had gotten a brand new roller coaster. This was the biggest roller coaster that I had ever been on. They called it Steel Venom, which just sounds so awesome. (laughs) And this thing was a massive, terrifying U-shaped structure, like the letter U with each end spiraling up what seemed like miles into the sky. You'd climb into your car on the coaster at the ground level, so that would be like at the bottom of the U. And once it started, you'd move backwards and forwards, getting higher on each end with each swing. And then out of nowhere, the coaster would suddenly stop at moments on one side of the U when you were facing completely downwards. And then it would suddenly drop you to go flying back down to the bottom of the U and spiral back up the other side, only to fling you back down again backwards. It was terrifying and glorious all at once. And I could not wait to try it. 
until I was buckled in. I still remember the queasy feeling in the pit of my stomach as the yellow shoulder bars came down over my head and were locked into place. My heart began to race and my hands got sweaty and my mind started spinning. What if the steel beams holding this thing together fall apart? What if my seatbelt breaks or the cart that I'm in becomes unhinged from the steel beams? Where should I hold on? What are they going to do if we get stuck at the highest point of this thing? When's the last time it's been safety tested? I was freaking out and I felt as though I was suddenly potentially facing my own death. But it was too late. I was buckled in. The people working the roller coaster were already back in their little booth with their hands on the controls and they couldn't hear me. I had nowhere to go and I was out of options and choices. My life felt completely and entirely out of my control. And with a sputter and a scream, steel venom took off. As I thought about my first trip on that roller coaster, I couldn't help but resonate with that feeling of stuckness in the middle of 2020. There's so many fears, so many things to worry about. And so very little control over any of it. In some ways, it seems like we're buckled into 2020 and we can't make it stop. We can't climb back off. And I think if the psalmist knew what a roller coaster felt like, he would probably liken it to some of his feelings that he describes in the psalm. Now, we don't know for sure because it's not listed, but we're quite certain that Psalm 118 was written by David. And in many ways, what we have here is a personal testimony. David is sharing some of the enormously difficult things that he's been through. He's sharing about how he responded to those things, and ultimately he's sharing about how they turned out. Early on in verse 5, David says that he was hard-pressed. What he's naming is that stuck, buckled-in feeling. That space that exists between a rock and a hard place. Later on, David begins to describe this space, and he says that in it all the nations surrounded me. They surrounded me on every side, and they swarmed and buzzed around me like bees. Can you imagine the enormous pressure? The pressure of being the king of a nation that the world hates. The pressure of being consistently at war. Of leading soldiers into battle and having your enemies press in and hover over you like a swarm of bees. David was plagued with constant battle, constant worrying about his nation's falling he spent months out in blood-soaked fields far away from home. He lived through battle scars and countless sleepless nights. David was a king, but he knew the pangs of hunger and the weight of grief. The pressure that he experienced had to be enormous. I was pushed back and about to fall, David says, like at a cliff. I was literally at the end of myself and I had nowhere to go. 
Now, most of us have not been to war. And if you have, you may resonate with this pressure, this stuckness deeply. But whether or not we've experienced that kind of physical pressure in many ways, I think some of us are or at some point will experience this kind of pressure emotionally and spiritually. Everything seems to come with pressure these days. Hot button, high tension issues are constantly banging at the door, demanding opinions and answers and solutions. The pressure right now to fix, to solve, and to be on the right side of history is enormous. Some of us in this season have lost work or our retirement funds or our investments, and others of us are being forced to go back to work into situations that feel at best complicated and at worst dangerous. Some of us are struggling to do life well with spouses and friends and parents and children and grandchildren, whether they're uncomfortably close or far away and we can't see them during this time. Pressure is high. Conversations about what safe school looks like for kids and teachers. Conversations about what the future will look like when it's okay to be together again who we should vote for and what the implications of it. These conversations are riddled with fear and anxiety and uncertainty and in many cases, even a lot of anger. The incredible pressures of this unique season continue to grow. And in many homes and hearts, tensions are running high. And that fight, flight, or freeze pressure to lash out in anger To give into fear and anxiety or to simply shut down and jump ship is all too prevalent. And though we may not have physical enemies to deal with like David, the enemy of our soul seems to be running rampant. He's been shooting darts of fear and offense. He's been trying to overwhelm with feelings of loneliness, despair, and anger. He's busy stirring up disunity and planting and watering bitter roots. He's accusing and comparing and criticizing, and he's stirring up old things that we thought had been dealt with. In the middle of it all, many of us have, can now, or at some point, have been able to say along with David, man, I'm stuck. I'm hard-pressed, and my enemies, they're on every side. Just like that roller coaster, I am buckled in, and there doesn't seem to be a way out. I survived my first trip on that steel venom roller coaster. I am here to testify. And honestly, I actually really liked it, and I've ridden that roller coaster several times since. But I remember climbing out of my seat after that first time, and as I passed, some of my friends were standing in line, white as sheets, shaking, waiting for their turn. And I called out to them and I said, you guys, it's really not that bad. You're going to be fine. And it's totally worth it. I'd made it through and I was no longer afraid of steel venom. I shared with them my testimony of survival, just as David is sharing his testimony in Psalm 118. 
Because friends, David didn't die in battle. He didn't die at the hands of the nations who warred against him. David was never pushed off a cliff. David died of natural causes in his own home after he handed off his kingdom to his son with an encouragement to walk in obedience and submission to the Lord who had sustained him. This isn't just a testimony. This psalm is a victory anthem. When I was hard pressed, David said, I cried out to the Lord and he brought me into a spacious place. When I had nowhere to turn, he brought me into an open space. All the nations surrounded me, David had said, but in the name and the power of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, David had said, but the Lord helped me. He is my strength and my defense. He is my salvation. What can a human do to me? The God of heaven and earth is on my side and because of him, I look down on my enemies in triumph. David refers to his enemies as swarms of bees that are consumed quickly like burning thorns. Thorns burn quickly. They're dry. They're like tinder. And the fascinating thing about bees is that though they swarm and they harass, once they sting, they die. They lose their power. These enemies are cut down in the name of the Lord. Here we have a king of a mighty nation, a king surrounded by armies and wise advisors and servants, a king with as much power as any one man can yield. And instead of hearing David say, I was hard pressed and my army saved the day, or I was pushed up against a wall and my advisor struck a treaty that saved me, David says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than men. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than any prince or ruling power or authority of this world, because it is the Lord who saved me and the Lord who has become my salvation. And then we hit this interesting sort of, it almost feels off in the psalm, this verse 18, where David says, the Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous, for I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. Now, nobody likes to be chastened or disciplined. But David knows what it is to be a beloved son of the Most High God. David has learned that in those moments of being hard-pressed, that he's being given an opportunity to grow in faith. And to grow in righteousness. He's learned that pressure can be used to refine, to prune, and to strengthen. Pressure makes coal that burns. Pressure makes diamonds that sparkle and shine. Pressure makes seeds sprout and grow up under the ground. Pressure is to our souls what gravity is to our bodies and our muscles. It's pressure that keeps our bodies strong. It's standing up against pressure that makes us even stronger. 
So open the gates of righteousness, David says. Pressure has made me strong. I cried out to the Lord, and now I can enter and give thanks. For even in this, he has done mighty things in me and for me. David knows who his God is. David knows who he is made to be. And David knows that God has a plan and that God will have ultimate victory. And so it's no wonder that David starts and closes this psalm with the timeless words, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love, that's that chesed word that we talk about, his relentless covenant faithfulness, it endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my defense, says David. And defense can be translated as song. This concept of worshiping the Lord being equated with war against the kingdom of darkness. It's interesting to trace some of these phrases throughout the Bible. Way back, we see in the book of Exodus, after the enslaved children of Israel escape from Egypt, they're hard-pressed between the Red Sea and the armies of Pharaoh. And the people, they cry out to the Lord, and he splits the sea in two. And they walk across on dry land as the water walls crash down over their enemies. And when they hit the other side, in response, Moses and Miriam lead the people and singing praise to the Lord, saying this exact phrase that David borrowed. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. In Second Chronicles 5, when the first temple of the Lord is established in the Holy Land, this promised land, when that temple is dedicated to the Lord, again, God's covenant people sing of their God, saying, He is good, and His love endures forever. Later on in Ezra 3, which we just read a few weeks ago, after God restored the exiles back from Babylon, and after they've built the temple again, when they go to dedicate it, we see these words again. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good and his love endures forever. Two sets of exiles, the same song of praise. These very words, this very psalm, Psalm 118, is one that Jewish tradition dictates is sung at every Passover. And it has been done that way for centuries. And you may remember that on the night before Jesus was betrayed to the cross, the Last Supper, that was a celebration of Passover. And as part of Jesus' celebration with his disciples, they would have recited this very psalm. On the night before his death, Jesus would have literally read or sung these words. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our sight. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. 
with bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. David's psalm both prophesied the coming of the cornerstone Jesus Christ and it also strengthened Jesus himself as he walked the road to the altar. And it doesn't stop there. After Jesus' death and resurrection, after his Holy Spirit was poured out on his people, we see these words and these truths come out of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians when he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Friends, these words... This psalm, it's not just a psalm of delivery or of deliverance. This is a victory anthem of God's holy children that has and will stand the, the test of time. And the truth of it is, the truth of God's enduring, loving faithfulness is what sustained Moses and Miriam and the children of Israel. It's what sustained the exiles. It's what sustained David and Paul and Jesus himself. The words of this psalm were even inscribed on the walls of the study of the great reformer Martin Luther. And these words are what have been given to us in the midst of this year of being hard-pressed in so many ways. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And in all things, his love endures forever. The reality of it all is that the kingdom of God is not hard-pressed. Our victorious king is not pushed back. The truth is that our God is the one holding the enemy back. And we're the ones he's made to do the hard-pressing as he empowers and equips us. Friends, the battle may be real, but the kingdom of God is advancing. We are his children, born of his blood and filled with his spirit. We are his covenant people, people he splits seas for, people he pushes enemies back for. People called to embody, proclaim, and advance his glorious kingdom that is breaking into this fallen world. And like David, we don't need physical armies. All we need to do is cry out to God. We fight our battles through faith. We fight our battles through worship that proclaims the truth of the everlasting goodness and faithfulness of our God.
and we fight our battles through prayer to the one for whom nothing is impossible. Friends, I don't know what being hard-pressed looks like for you. I don't know what that pressing in looks like, but I believe that this morning the Lord is inviting each one of us to cry out. To be people who are mighty in prayer. To be people who declare the Lord's perpetual, relentless goodness, even in the face of pressure. And to see his mighty right hand of deliverance. Let God's holy, beloved children of Gold Avenue Church say, His love truly does endure forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you never change. That the truth never change changes. God, we thank you that your faithfulness, it never ends. Through all of history, God, it never ends. Through all of history, you have always come to deliver your people. That you always have victory, God, and that your kingdom will prevail. And so, Lord, we pray, would you strengthen us to be those who declare your faithfulness even when we can't see it? Would you strengthen us to be mighty in prayer? Would you strengthen us to be those who press in and who worship and pray until we see your hand of deliverance? Lord, if we're supposed to help one another fight battles, we pray that you would call that to mind. Lord, that you would make us mighty warriors for one another and for our body as well. God, we pray that you would equip and empower us to be those who embody advance and proclaim your glorious kingdom. We love you, Lord. Amen.